I am the Reaper indeed, and welcome to episode 65 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're brand new to the show, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. You can find me over on Instagram. You can find me over on Twitter, especially. And if you're interested, reach out to me on Twitter, connect with me, shoot me a DM, tweet at me, whatever you want, give me topics, questions, comments, whatever you want me to talk about on the show, and I'd be happy to do so. Of course, we've got a big show today, so let's keep going. You can find this podcast over on all your favorite podcast services, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. If you can't get enough of my voice on One Man Watchpoint. You can, of course, check out Ready, Set, Pwn, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. I do record that podcast bi-weekly with this podcast, so alternating weeks we record and you can catch me once a week. Today, we're going to be taking a look, uh, one last look, at the Lunar New Year event, and of course, we will also take one last look at everyone's favorite casting duo. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. I'll do this alone if I have to. Man, that might just have to become my uh, my trademark uh, sound there. You know, given every episode is a uh, one one man watch point. You know, it's it's one man. It's just me. So I'll do this alone if I have to. And in fact, I always have. Anyways, I digress. This is, of course, the final week of the Lunar New Year event. And it just occurred to me now, this is hopefully the last time we will actually see these events in the style that we currently see them. Um, of course, it would be great to have this play to earn, you know, rewards for playing whatever, getting wins, playing a certain amount over the course of the event, etc., etc. Um, but this is probably the last time we see this kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, flavor of of plain Jane event where it's skins, it's a spray and a player icon as your rewards. Um, you know, after this, we will probably be looking at going into Overwatch 2. Now, I don't, of course, mean after Lunar New Year event. I simply mean uh, this is probably the last time we'll see the Lunar New Year event in Overwatch 1. Hopefully, by the time the next Lunar New Year rolls around in 2023, we will, of course, be playing Overwatch 2. Who knows how close or far we are from that, although we might talk a little bit about that coming up here. That said, this is the final week of the Lunar New Year event. The event runs through February 15th. So, if you play 9 games this week, you will earn the T player icon. If you play 18 games, you will win the Porcelain Spray. And of course, if you play 27 games, you will get the Porcelain Wrecking Ball Epic Skin. Uh, in my humble opinion, this is actually one of the uh, nicer ones of this event. Although, you know, Ash always looks good in red and gold. And uh, Soldier actually looked really good in that kind of uh, aquamarine blue that he's got for his skin there. Um, I do actually like this one the best. I, I like the porcelain look that they went with for the ball of Wrecking Ball, of course, and highlighted with the gold. Um, and then you got Hammond up top there with uh, the red suit on. Um, I, I, I just really like the look of the porcelain. I think they did a really good job on that, and the sort of jade highlights look really nice. Now, I digress. Uh, I don't really care too much about that. Honestly, I have been playing Overwatch a little bit, not enough to be earning these, just like that kind of tells you how little I've actually been playing, um, as I'm kind of hooked on uh, Ghost of Tsushima right now. But all that said, um, there are some good skins that I might just have to log on and buy uh, since I haven't been playing, so... I digress. Get in there, get your wins before time runs out. You've got just about one week left. Now, let's move on to the actual news. 
So we're going to kick this week off with a probably our biggest story of the week. Well, potentially, depending on how you look at it. We're going to jump over to .esports.com and read an article from January 26th. So a little bit later, this actually came out, uh, I think, the day after I posted my last episode. But I want to talk about it because it is important, because I am sad. The article reads, Sideshow and Bren won't return to Overwatch League for 2022 season. This is .esports.com, posted by Scott Robertson. The casting duo of Josh Sideshow Wilkinson and Bren Bren Hook sorry, Brennan Brenhook, won't return to cast the Overwatch League's 2022 season, according to posts from both casters today. The two confirmed that they, quote, do not have an agreement for 2022 with Overwatch League, marking the end of their four years as broadcast talent, end quote. The duo has been a part of OWL's on-screen talent team since the League's inaugural season. They served as analysts for seasons one and two, then moved to the commentator's desk for seasons three and four. The two also co-founded the Plat Chat podcast, which extensively covers both the competitive Overwatch and Valorant scenes. In his statement, Sideshow confirmed that they'll continue to, quote, be around the scene with Plat Chat or co-streams and working other freelance broadcast work in esports, end quote. Bren added in his statement that he'll be focusing all his energy, quote, on making this the best year yet for Plat Chat, end quote. The departure of Sideshow and Bren marks the second major casting duo to discontinue commentating in an Activision Blizzard-run franchise league just this month. The caster team of Joseph Merck DeLuca and Clint Maven Evans both have publicly, uh, both have said publicly that it's unlikely they'll participate in calling the Call of Duty League this year, and both were absent from the past weekend's Kickoff Classic preseason event. Both casters were absent from last year's Kickoff Classic before joining the league for, 20, for the 2021 season, but this year, that seems more unlikely based on their recent statements. Sorry, that was before joining the league for the 2021 season. Both Bren and Sideshow will likely lean into more Valorant coverage this year. During 2021, they hosted official co-streams of VCT matches on their Plat Chat channel on both YouTube and Twitch. They were also briefly on-site for the NA Last Chance Qualifier before the event was postponed. Now, one thing I do want to pull up here is Sideshow is one of their actual uh, tweets about this. They do have them embedded in the article here, so uh, I'm going to pull it up here. So Bren and Sideshow both basically sort of copy-pasted the same uh, the same message. I'm pretty positive they, you know, they they did this because they wanted to sort of appear in a united front. Um, not like there's any necessarily any ill will between them and the league or them and Blizzard or or operations and things like that. Although there's definitely a little bit of uh, tension, I feel like you could say, that you pick up when you when you read these messages. So here, let me let me start with uh, Bren's tweets here, and of course, uh, sideshows on the other side simply mentioned uh, Bren rather than mentioning Josh. So let me give this a go. Bren tweets: Josh and I currently do not have an agreement for 2022 with the Overwatch League, marking the end of our four years as broadcast talent for Owl. We wish the league and our colleagues the best of luck for. Overwatch 2. We've been a part of Owl since day one, and for me personally, I can be proud of what I accomplished alongside some of the best in the business. 
I owe a lot of my personal growth to my involvement in the Overwatch League and can soundly say I'm a better person because of it. He goes on to reply to his tweet a couple more times there, um, saying, For 2022, I'm still planning on being involved in esports through freelance broadcast events, Plat Chat Overwatch, and Valorant co-streams, and of course, the podcasts too. All my energy is focused on making this the best year yet for Plat Chat. This life-changing event would have been much worse without my Twitch community supporting me these last these past months. I wanted to thank them for their support, and I've never been more confident moving into 2022. So now Josh uh, tweeted something quite similar. Um, you know, especially that first part was almost exactly the same. Uh, I think I could link to his his tweet here. But anyways, the overall message here is, of course, you know, they're. They're stepping out from the Overwatch League. Um, it was very interesting to see what happened from here. Obviously, these two, in my mind and in a lot of fans' minds, were probably the best or or one of the favorite casting duos of, uh, of the lot that they've had so far. I personally think they're the most entertaining. Um, they were probably, probably the two people that could make even the most uh, mundane of matches interesting to listen to and to watch and observe as a viewer um they they really i think understood the narrative that is a match and uh a game um and they could really sort of break down what was going on the thought process behind uh the play um and and they really just brought a level of entertainment i think to the broadcast whereas some other casters, you know, maybe lack a little bit of spice. Um, but especially the the big part, I think, was the interplay between the two of them. Um, I think I heard early, early on in, when I started following the league that they actually took improv classes together to sort of build that rapport with one another um, and really kind of uh, establish, get that relationship going a little bit more to be able to just flow when it comes to a game. And again, even the most mundane of matches, uh, they were just able to sort of thread a narrative and really get the audience uh, interested, even if it was just in how goofy they were being together um, and, and that kind of thing. So I do think this is a pretty big loss for the league, honestly. I'm very interested to see who our casting duos end up being. I'm almost positive we'll have uh, Matt, Mr. X returning, probably partnered with Uber. Um, outside of that, in my mind, it's kind of hard to say who we will see. Granted, nobody else has come out and said that they don't have a contract, so it's probably safe to assume we will see some returning faces, but I do also think that we might be seeing some newcomers come. Now, that is probably the one upside that I've heard to this, so I also listened to the uh, Tactical Crouch podcast, and of course, um, Volamel on that was quick to point out that, you know, maybe this is a positive because... Uh, we'll get to see some up-and-comers, you know, maybe a Lemon Kiwi, uh, maybe a Vicky Kitty, um, maybe Leg Day. Uh, some of these sort of uh, casters who have traditionally been more Tier 2, um, we might get to see some of them brought up into the ranks of the Overwatch League and really get to kind of shine and spread their wings there. I do agree with Volamel that that is a, uh, a, a positive to come out of this. Um, you know, it's always good to look at the positive side. However, on the flip side of that, on that same podcast... Yiska jumped in and very much was like, I think this is this is the worst thing the league could have possibly done in terms of the casters. You know, they were Brennan Sideshow were kind of the shining examples of what a casting pair could and should be. And they were some of the only ones that, you know, uh, uh, performed at the level that they do. So I definitely agree with both sides. You know, it's great that we might see some, you know, up-and-comers, some new talent stepping into the ring. Uh, but also, I think this is this is a pretty significant loss for the league itself. 
Obviously, as I mentioned, they're still going to be continuing plot chat. They're probably going to be doing co-streams and things like that. Um, so it'll be definitely be interesting. Uh, I'll see about tuning into some co-streams and stuff like that. I know co-streams on YouTube, I think, are... I don't know if that's really a thing. I've only heard of it on Twitch. Um, only really watched it on Twitch. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what they do. But I also think they probably looked at plat chat and kind of said, okay, look here, we've got... Uh, essentially four, four main characters on plat chat. Five, if you want to call uh, Kurt behind the, uh, the camera, the fifth. They must be, you know, in, in my mind, they must be making a, a little bit of money from plat chat. I, I'm not sure how significant it would be. I'm also not sure if they have something like a Patreon. If they do, that would be interesting. Um, or maybe they start one. And that was something that actually to tie things together here, we're going to jump over to a sec, uh, one of those recurring segments that we have on the show called Required Reading. And I'm going to point you over to .esports.com with an article from January 28th where Liz Richardson had a chance to sit down with Sideshow and Brad and talk to them about uh, their announcement and what happened. So uh, this article from Liz Ri Richardson reads, Brent and Sideshow discuss contract negotiations, fan support, and their Overwatch League futures. Now, I'm just going to read a brief snippet here, uh, but let me set this up a bit. Obviously, after this news came out and everything, Liz reached out to Brandon Sideshow and said, hey, do you guys want to come and talk a little bit about your decision and, and what happened? Now, of course, there's going to be uh, things, NDAs and things that they can't talk about, things they know that they're legally not allowed to discuss um, from production and things like that. But at the same time, given that they did not sign a contract with the Overwatch League for this next season or with Blizzard, they can obviously talk about sort of their experience with the contracts and, and negotiations and everything like that. So um, let me just read this quick snippet from Bren uh, and then we'll continue. So Liz asked, what was the timeline like for your 2022 contract negotiations with the Overwatch League? Bren responds, I think the initial offer we got was at the tail end of November 2021, roughly. The strange thing about it was that there was an expiration date on it, which is not the norm in the past when we've gone through negotiation periods. I wasn't particularly comfortable with negotiating under an artificial timeline like that. I understood it was a bit of a risk in terms of like, we might not be doing the Overwatch League in 2022 if we turned down the offer, but I felt like it was for the best, generally speaking, not jumping into negotiations so many months in advance. It just didn't really make sense at all to begin negotiating around that point, and it definitely left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Sideshow then says, I think the other thing to keep in mind is that there's large amounts of staff turnover currently happening within the Overwatch League. There's John Spector moving on, and I've said this on stream, though it may have uh, a couple of exceptions, that everyone that's worked directly above us has moved on since 2018. Obviously, that doesn't include the people who are high up in... Uh, who are high up making decisions within the Overwatch League, but specifically within the talent structure. But at the end of the day, we've made our decisions about 2022 based on how we think our value works on the market, and we're thinking about our role as streamers and content creators. We own a company in PlatChat, and we're thinking about doing Valorant works as well. So there's a lot going on for us where we need to be clear about schedules moving forward into 2022. And then says, I should add that I completely agree with Josh. I don't think it was malicious. I think it's more just the timing is very odd and at the moment within the Overwatch League, and it led to the very unfortunate circumstances that we've got right now. So, um, as I mentioned before, I'll put the link to this article in the description of this episode. Definitely go check it out if uh, you want to hear a little bit more about... Um, about what exactly uh, Brennan Sideshow kind of were thinking and, and how things went in terms of uh, this all breaking down. 
is that there were other considerations for Brennan Sideshow when they made this decision. It wasn't solely, hey, do we want to work with the Overwatch League or not? Hey, do we want to work with, you know, Riot and Valorant or not? Um, what it, it actually sounds to me like Sideshow in saying, we own a company in PlatChat and we're thinking about doing Valorant works as well. There's a lot going on for us. It sounds to me like Sideshow and Bren and maybe, you know, the rest of the guys that are on PlatChat have maybe looked at what they have with PlatChat, looked at the audience they have, looked at the uh, the community they've built and are continuing to build. Um, and there's potential that I'm, I'm honestly wondering if they are hoping to really beef up PlatChat and really make it their own uh, sort of organization. Um, Obviously, they mention it as a company, which is great that they're treating it in a professional manner. But I do wonder if, you know, maybe a Patreon is coming next. Um, they've obviously got their YouTube channels that they do post the video versions of their podcasts to as well. So there's a chance, uh, you know, they're getting ad revenue from that. Although, obviously, that's um, certainly uh, going to be a small uh, dollar amount. But the point is, I wonder if they are looking at PlatChat and thinking this is our this is sort of our ticket. This is our platform. Um, if they can convert a, even a small portion of their audience into a, uh, a Patreon or something like that, they might be able to grow grow their audience, um, you know, beyond even what it currently sits at. So I look forward to seeing what Brandon Sideshow do. I'm obviously still going to continue listening to uh, Plat Chat because I do love that podcast and I do love uh, the dynamic all of them have together, um, including, you know, obviously Mr. X uh, or Matt, uh, Johnny, um, you know, Kurt behind the camera, and then, of course, any of the guests that they bring on to fill in. Oh, and of course, Avast. I always forget about Avast. Um, anyways, I, even though I like him quite a bit. So I digress. Uh, Brennan Sideshow, not going to be casting the Overwatch League for the 2022 season, as it seems now. One other thing before we move on that I should touch on briefly is the fact that they're, they're, I have seen online... Some of the ideas that, is this a power play? Is this them basically making comments to say, hey, you know, we are publicly announcing that you guys didn't sign us. Maybe you should make us a better offer. I don't think that's the intent, um, especially given Brennan Sideshow uh, did this sort of interview with Liz Richardson afterwards where they talk about everything. Again, I'll put the link to that article in, uh, in the show notes or in the uh, show description so you can go check it out. But... Um, I think there were a lot of considerations that they made um, and uh, sort of a lot of ground that they considered. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Sideshow, Bren, and of course our Plat Chat friends. Moving on from there, our next article takes us over to the Sports Business Journal. Now this is sportsbusinessjournal.com, an article by Kevin Hitt on January 27th. This is a short one, but I did want to touch on this because there are potentially some pretty significant um, implications from this article. The article reads, Sources, Activision Blizzard to farm out ops for Overwatch League. Activision Blizzard will likely farm out operations for its Overwatch League to a third party, according to sources. The development comes in the wake of Activision bringing on Esports Engine this season to run its Call of Duty League. OWL, started in 2018, and CDL, started in 2020, have been produced and broadcast by Activision Blizzard since their respective inceptions. The move to third party also comes amid Microsoft's plan to acquire Activision. Microsoft is already using a third-party, esports engine in this case, to operate the relaunch of its Halo Champion series. 
With the news that ESL and Faceit, the largest tournament organizers in the space, will merge into the ESL Faceit group after a purchase by Savvy Gaming Group for $1.5 billion, there looks to be more movement and investment in the third-party operator space as it relates to esports production. So, that's the article. That's it. It's basically one paragraph. Very, very short. Um, obviously, it would if, if CDL has been operated by a third party, it's not really a huge surprise that the uh, Overwatch League would also make that jump, especially given the relationship that Activision has established with Esports Engine, um, and of course, uh, the experience that Esports Engine now has also working with Microsoft on the Halo Championship series, and then, of course, threading the needle from there, uh, Microsoft purchases Activision Blizzard, of course. This also has implications, obviously, for what happens to the Overwatch League going forward, and the future of uh, competitive Overwatch in general. I do think this is the kind of shift that it makes sense for Microsoft to sort of move into, especially as it relates to CDL and Overwatch League being the two main competitive leagues coming into Microsoft with the uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition. Um, the biggest question is what changes will we see and, and how will those things work differently? Could that be related to the Sideshow and Brent thing? potentially, although it seems a little odd given we know from Sideshow and Bren that uh, the negotiations were around November of last year, which does seem early given how long we are waiting for the uh, next season of the Overwatch League. But besides that, I think this has bigger, bigger implications for the future. And when I say the future, I of course mean past this upcoming season of the Overwatch League. Although uh, I've talked about before that this season I feel like is kind of this weird bridge season bridging overwatch one to overwatch two um really uh kind of a i don't even know what to call it kind of a holdover season um not that i think necessarily the quality will be less than or anything like that i just think this season is kind of this i don't know it's kind of a filler season honestly it's it's those those episodes of the show that you know there isn't really any development you don't really need to see it but it's kind of interesting because it's doing something something we've never seen before. But then the season after that, of course, as the Microsoft acquisition is probably, uh, you know, full steam ahead. And of course, at that point, Overwatch 2 is, cross your fingers, also full steam ahead. I think that season will be when they really kick things into high gear. And, you know, there's potential that they bring it in-house rather than farming it out to Esports Engine or something like that. But there's also the potential they just pump a lot of money into it and say, okay, Esports Engine, you had last season to get your footing, to learn the league, to learn the people, to learn, you know, the contracts, whatever, how we operate. Now we want to see you really kick things into high gear, really celebrate Overwatch 2 because, again, cross your fingers, by then it will be out um, and things will really be shifting uh, into, uh, into, I don't know, superstar mode where hopefully we will see the Overwatch League take off and potentially, you know, become that T1 esport, that tier one esport that we all hope it can be and know that it has the potential to be. Although again, I mean, that all depends on their goals and certainly uh, we don't know what Microsoft envisions for, for uh, the league. So if that's not their goal, then I digress. Anyways, we're getting off track here. Interesting to hear this one. I don't think we'll see a ton of impact from this in this upcoming season. Again, I like to call this season sort of the bridge season. I don't necessarily think that means it is lesser than. I simply think that it means it is bridging a gap from old to new. Let's move on. 
We're going to go over to Dexerto.com with an article from February 4th written by Michael Gwilliam, which reads, Overwatch 2 finally shows up on Blizzard server amid imminent beta leaks. Let's read. Fans have been anxiously awaiting Overwatch 2 news for months, ever since it was announced that the next Owl season would be played on an early build of the sequel in April. Since then, things have been relatively quiet from Blizzard publicly, but it seems like all that is about to change very soon. On February 4th, users spotted some major changes to the developer server build, suggesting that Overwatch 2 will be going live in the near future. As explained by popular Overwatch news aggregator Nary, Overwatch 2.0 and Demo 2 were updated to the Blizzard Battle.net developer server. Quote, looks like the Overwatch 2 beta will be out really soon, and quote, she wrote while screen grabbing the update. This change comes amid Overwatch content creators being invited to a secret developer meeting that left them very optimistic for the game's future. Supposed leaks from the meeting claimed that a beta would be arriving at some point in February. A beta hasn't been officially confirmed by Blizzard yet, so there's no telling what it will consist of. Multiple new Overwatch 2 maps have already been revealed, and despite launching with numerous new heroes, only one, Sojourn, has been shown off so far. We'll have to see what the future holds, but fans of Overwatch should be very excited for what's to come in the weeks or even days ahead. Now, I want to point out that that's, that's actually a really interesting way to end that article. Fans of Overwatch should be very excited for what's to come in the weeks or even days ahead. And this was posted on the 4th, which would be uh, Friday of last week, so a mere 3-4 days ago. So that's kind of interesting. I wonder if Michael Gwilliam is, is hinting that he knows more than... Uh, then he's leading on. Anyways, I digress. Um, this one, obviously, very exciting news to see. At the same time, this news isn't really news. This news is is kind of like, um, it, it feels a little bit like we're we're so thirsty at the at the water at the well that we're you know scraping the bottom and and we're just we're coming up with mud and we're squeezing the water out of that mud and we're saying, look, we have we have something to drink. Um, Obviously, updates come to these clients and uh, these games all the time, um, but it is still nonetheless interesting uh, what Neri outlines in her tweet there. So they've got the tweet embedded, so I'll just read it. Looks like Overwatch 2 beta will be out really soon. Quote, Overwatch 2.0 and, quote, Demo 2 have been updated to the Blizzard Battle.net developer server. Blizzard Warcraft expansion packs are also numbered ver numbered version up in the same way. Example 8.0 to 9.0. So obviously we're extrapolating a little bit there from what we know about Warcraft and how it operates through the Battle.net server. And then she's got this screenshot where it shows uh, the, the in-game sort of uh, whatever you want to call it, play screen, play menu of Overwatch where it says version 1.68, I believe. And then on the other side, she's got the uh, the sort of client there, uh, the battle.net client, which says 2.00 current version and uh, the current build ID as 93195. So all that does indicate that obviously an update has hit, an update has come, more updates will come, and we are now on version 2.0, which is a big shift. Obviously, um, if you come from the development world, you know, it takes a lot to make that jump from a 1.0 to a 2.0. So I understand what we're seeing here, um, but until we actually get, you know, the announcement of a beta or something like that, I just see this as 
somewhat insignificant. Obviously, there's a ton going on in the background. There's a ton going on in the code. I'm not naive to the fact that um, these changes are not significant in terms of the game. They're just not significant in terms of what we will see um, and, and what we have access to at this stage. Hopefully, this is laying the groundwork. Hopefully, this is getting those updates that can be pushed out without sort of compromising the big reveal um, into the public. And obviously, somebody has been watching closely, and I'm sure many people are. So so there you have it. That is the news on that side of things. And that actually takes us to the end of the news. I don't have, uh, I don't have any more stories to really talk about. So with that said... Uh, normally this is the part where we, oh, you know what? I, I totally forgot. Oh my gosh. I just closed one of my tabs. I didn't have it on my run of show. Hang on. Let me, let me update. Bear with me. Please stand by. And we're back. That minor, uh, minor, minor mental break I just had is because I did not put this next story in my run of show. So I thought I was done and I was going to move on to, uh, our roster tracker. However, of course, I closed my tab on Chrome there, and lo and behold, there was yet another story. Now, this is going to be a brief one. It's not like this is going to be groundbreaking news or anything like that, um, but I digress. We're going to go over to .esports.com with an article by Ethan Garcia posted on February 8th. That is today as of recording, and it reads, Overwatch releases issue number four of New Blood Comics series. Overwatch's expansive lore is continuing to grow in the New Blood comic series written by Ray Fox and illustrated by Irene Coe, highlighting Cole Cassidy's journey to recruit more members to the Overwatch team. In issue number four, now available online for free, the narrative shifts away from Cassidy, instead focusing heavily on another stable character in Overwatch, Zarya. Readers are immediately brought into the Russian-Siberian tundra, where Zarya begins to reminisce on her past while actively taking a role in the Russian defense force to fight the Omnix. Zarya displays her steadfast nature and unwillingness to give up despite the circumstances, all out of her wish, sorry, all out of her wish to save her home and avenge her family. This latest issue follows Cassidy's previous endeavors to recruit other recognizable heroes to Overwatch, including Anna, Vera, and Baptiste. As Cassidy is unaccustomed to the harsh winters plaguing this environment, it becomes tantamount that he encourages Zarya to see that her skills would help even more people if she joins Overwatch. Though Zarya surprisingly welcomes Cassidy's approach, the two quickly find themselves in the middle of yet another battle against the Omnix invading Zarya's home on the Siberian front. Zarya sports a new look in this comic that has never been available in any of her current skins in Overwatch, possibly indicating a new look for the tank hero coming soon via a skin or through Overwatch 2. The teaser at the end of this issue showcases a null sector attack on Busan, indicating that Cassidy's journey will lead him to meet D.Va and the other members of the Mecha Squad. It's unclear when the next issue of Overwatch New Blood will be released. Fans craving more insight into Overwatch lore can indulge in the other issues of New Blood available on the official website, as well as other comic series and various cinematics also available that expand on the backstories of specific heroes. So I've talked about uh, these comics before. Obviously, I do not always highlight when they release if they, you know, if they drop sort of in that in-between period of uh, my episodes, I typically don't talk about them just because they are, you know, relatively speaking, lesser news stories than others. Um, you know, I don't, I just don't think they hit uh, to as many people or on the same level as a lot of these other stories. But given this one dropped today, I wanted to mention it because I do actually really enjoy these comics. Um, and this is, I'm not traditionally very much of a comic person. Um, but I love the art. And as you all know, and as I have talked about many times, I love the lore and I love the world building that they are doing. Uh, I just kind of wish that, you know, we got it through the game. So I digress. Um, I'm excited to, to check this one out. I realized today that I actually have not been keeping up with this. I think the last issue that I read 
Uh, I'm just looking at the covers right now. You know what? The last issue that I read might have actually been issue one. I don't know if I actually caught issue two or three. So I'm going to have to go back and take another look. Um, but I digress. I'll do that. And you should too. They are available free online, as the article mentions there, uh, through the Overwatch website. If you just Google Overwatch comics, uh, you'll definitely find a link. And you can go to the sort of catalog where they have them all listed. And you can read them all for free. And I highly encourage you to do that. With all of that said, now we are done. And now we can, of course, talk about roster moves. I'm unstoppable. Unstoppable indeed. And this week I want to point out that I did actually check Liz Richardson's OWL 2022 offseason trade tracker on .esports.com, as we traditionally do. Um, but I actually didn't see any updates on there. I think uh, at this point Liz is obviously focused on some other things that might be a little more news generating than the Overwatch League. Uh, that said, it seems to me from what I saw on the internet, there's only really been one announcement since her last update there. So, uh, last update would have been on January 21st, which of course I would have covered in our last episode. So, with all that said, hopefully you can't hear my dog scratching her bed too loudly. She is right next to me, but she is under a desk, so you might not hear that, and you might. Hey, here's a challenge. If you've made it this far into the episode, tweet at me and ask to see a picture of my dog, and I will gladly send you a picture of my dog. She's wonderful. Her name is Miley, after Miley Cyrus. Moving on from there, uh, let's jump over to dottiesports.com where we will talk about the only uh, signing announcement that I did find. Um, again, didn't find it on the trade tracker, but it was on dottiesports.com, this time posted by Sage Detwin on February 1st. Philadelphia Fusion signs rookie Fixa for 2022 Owl season. The Philadelphia Fusion has signed Korean support player Fixa as the newest member of its Overwatch League roster for 2022. In the franchise's quest to rebuild its lineup ahead of the 2022 season, Philadelphia has acquired the 17-year-old prodigy Fixa, who will make his debut in the Overwatch League this year. Fixa is one of the Overwatch of Overwatch's youngest talents, having first made an impact on the scene back in 2020 when he was a part of T1's Overwatch Contenders lineup before joining Uprising Academy in 2021. Now, two years in the Contenders League, Oh, sorry, after two years in the Contenders League, Fixa will finally have an opportunity to gain hands-on experience in the Overwatch League. But the Philadelphia Fusion will need to wait a few days into the 2022 season before Fixa is eligible to play because of the league's age requirement. He'll be eligible to play for the team starting in May. For now, Fixa will lean will learn, sorry, under Overwatch League veteran Aimgod, who joined the Fusion last month, and will be making his return to Overwatch after missing out in 2021. Philadelphia experienced decent success in 2021, qualifying for the 2021 playoffs as the winner of the East play-in before getting knocked out by the San Francisco Shock. Since 2021, the Fusion have has been in a rebuild mode and only retained Captain Carpe for the 2022 season. Now the team will look to aim for better results going into the upcoming season. Season 5 of the Overwatch League will begin sometime in April 2022. So there you have it, uh, Fixa being signed to the Philadelphia Fusion. And I'm just going to quickly pull up uh, my old good old roster spreadsheet here made by uh, professional professional roster spreadsheet tracker um, Omnistrife. That's at Omnistrife on Twitter. And with the announcement of Fixa, the Philadelphia Fusion actually have a complete roster. So they do have six players signed. They've got uh, flex support, main support, flex DPS, two on hitscan, and one tank, of course. So looking at these rosters, it's actually quite interesting at this point because everyone with the exception of the Los Angeles Valiant and the New York Excelsior, of course, 
reach the six player minimum required on, I believe, I can't remember if it's March 1st or March 3rd. I think it was January 3rd, March 1st. Uh, March 1st, which of course is one, two, three month, three days, three days, good God. Three weeks from now as of time of recording. So obviously we know that uh, all rosters have the five player minimum required. Um, we know that uh, because that requirement was the January 3rd deadline. And I think it was Sean Miller of the league tweeted out that uh, all rosters had met the minimum regardless of if they had announced it or not. So the holes that we currently see um, in you know the New York Excelsior and the Los Angeles Valiant are of course not actually holes really. Uh, they do in fact have players, they just haven't announced it. Now, New York actually does meet the minimum of five, which was the January 3rd minimum, whereas March is of course the six player minimum. So that's why I say those two players are the only ones missing, or those two teams, sorry, are the only teams missing a player. Anyways, the bigger point that I wanted to make here is if we look at the roster spreadsheet, uh, we can actually see some holes in some of these teams. So the Chengdu Hunters, oddly enough, are missing a hitscan DPS right now. They've got two flex. They've got Jinmu and Leave on flex. And obviously we know Leave is a beast and can easily solo carry. But uh, regardless, they must be signing. I would assume they've got to sign someone there unless, you know, Jinmu or Leave have really been flexing. Um, so that's an interesting one. The other, obviously, vacant, or sorry, they're listed as Los Angeles vacant on my spreadsheet. That's, you know, this is the kind of working conditions I'm under on Ready, Set, Poem. Anyways, um, they've obviously got some holes, but I don't really need to talk about them too much. The London Spitfire are missing a flex DPS, and they're kind of the opposite of Chengdu. They've got two on hitscan, so they've got Shax and Sparker on hitscan. Now, I think it's probably less common that we see a hitscan flex uh, stretch over to a flex DPS role. Not unheard of. We could see something there, but I digress. And then uh, New York Excelsior is missing a main support, which is not entirely uncommon. I would say that's kind of been the theme of uh, these rosters over this past offseason. And the other team that's also missing a main support is, of course, the San Francisco Shock. Now, I know in the last episode, sorry, I punched the desk there. I know in the last episode, I talked about the fact that I think San Francisco could be re-signing Moth, and they could just be holding off on that to sort of uh, get a big pop when they announce that. Um, Moth is kind of a big question mark. Uh, obviously, he didn't play a ton in this past season with the Los Angeles Gladiators. He definitely, uh, you know, took a took a took the bench there. But we know he has history with the uh, San Francisco Shock. We know he performs at a very high level. Um, it kind of all, in my mind, just depends on. Well, in part what the meta is, but the other side of it is uh, how active the main support role needs to be when it comes to Overwatch 2, which of course none of us can answer at this stage. So that said, I'm going to place my money on Moth being signed to the San Francisco Shock in the main support role. So that fills that roster out. That means the New York Excelsior, the London Spitfire, the Los Angeles Valiant, uh, oh, the Houston Outlaws, I missed that. They're also missing a main support, so there you go. Uh, could Moth go there? interesting hmm hadn't thought of that i could see it i could see it although it'd be you know jumping a couple states given he stayed in california before but i digress and then of course the Chengdu hunters also missing a player so interesting stuff there outside of that we see pretty much all the rosters uh probably probably solidified uh although we you know have heard things like uh teams are looking at getting another player in certain roles i know the vancouver titans mentioned that they're probably getting another tank or or they are getting another tank and they just haven't said who it is yet but i digress the rosters are looking full thus far 
Um, and of course, our Toronto Defiant sitting at six, our Vancouver Titans sitting at seven, because again, this is a Canadian podcast. And I don't know if I talk about that enough, given uh, given that there hasn't been a ton of news with either of those teams lately, um, or, or just a lot of these teams in general, honestly. So I digress. That's where we're at with the rosters right now. Uh, who knows? Maybe by next episode, we will have more to talk about on the roster front, and maybe we won't, but maybe we will have overwatch 2 moving on all right and with that we are now at the end of the show yes this is a bit of a uh, shorter episode i know frequently when i have short episodes i get on a rant and i just talk 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 and the episode ends up being about a normal length this is definitely on the shorter side of things but that's okay given given the news we had to talk about and uh what we might have coming soon i'm very hopeful that we'll get real details real information about overwatch 2 coming very soon um at the very least we've got to have something by march right we've got to hear something i digress thank you very much for listening to episode 65 of one man watchpoint and overwatch podcast i'm of course your host sir dr jm that's at sir drjm on twitter and instagram please Follow me over on Twitter. Please tweet at me. Please ask me questions, comments, concerns, topics to bring to the show. Whatever you've got there, shoot me a DM or tweet at me, uh, and I'm more than happy to bring that to the show. And of course, you can find this podcast on podcast services around the globe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And of course, if you leave a review on any of those services, I will gladly read it out on the show. If you can't get enough of me, check out Ready, Set, Pwn. Also on podcast services everywhere, Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. And with that, I'll wish everyone a happy end to the Lunar New Year event uh, and happy happy overwatching. That's, that's going to be my new sign-off. Happy overwatching, everyone. Thanks.